All right, let's get into the word of the Lord this morning. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55? Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 9. The verses will be up on the screen. Uh, when we get to them, you know, we always do that. Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 9. Uh, I'm going to be reading when I do from the New Living Translation. You can follow along in whatever uh, translation you have. In fact, why don't we, if you're able to, please stand one more time, stretch, uh, don't want anybody snoozing. Uh, sometimes we get in a lull. Uh, you might wonder, sometimes it's a little cold in here. There might be a purpose behind that. Um, don't sleep too well in the cold. Uh, others of you will sleep through anything, but we're going to try and, and keep you awake. Amen. With the word of, of the Lord. Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 9. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for this awesome service that we are having this morning. Uh, we thank you for the, your presence and for your power, uh, for your ability to touch our lives and to change us from the inside out. I know, Lord, that when we come, sometimes we come carrying baggage uh, and things that, that sometimes they hold us down, even our doubts and our fears and our anxieties and uh, whatever life throws at us, Lord, sometimes uh, it gets the best of us. But Lord, when we come to church, uh, when we call on your name, Jesus, when we uh, avail ourselves to what you want to do, you can change the atmosphere. Uh, you can change our situations. You can change our very lives by uh, your plan and your purpose. And so, God, uh, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray that you would just move uh, during the time that we have in your word, uh, that you would speak to individuals that are here today, uh, that you would speak to those who are listening from home uh, on the live stream. You are an amazing God, and your word is powerful Speak to us, change us. Uh, in Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Well, today we are wrapping up our message series called Bible or Not. And I listen, I hope that you've been able to gain uh, some biblical perspective about the phrases that sound biblical and maybe hold some truth, yet all on their own, they don't tell the whole story, right? Listen, at the very least, it's important to know what the Bible has to say about any given subject. And listen, never, never assume that just because something sounds spiritual uh, that it's fully or even partly true. We hear things all the time and someone will say, well, well, that's in the Bible, isn't it? Well, actually, sometimes no, it isn't, right? And so last week, we, uh, the first week rather, we looked at the phrase, everything happens for a... All right, everything happens for a reason. The second week, we got into uh, God helps those who help themselves, That right? The third week, we talked about God won't give you more than you can handle. The fourth week, we, we got a little, uh, a little deeper. We dissected uh, the phrase money is the root of all evil. Last week, we focused on when God shuts one door, he opens Another. Listen, before uh, we get to today's phrase, I want to give you a, a quick recap on open and shut doors. And uh, to do that, we looked at the life of the Apostle Paul. We know that he, in his life, went on several uh, missionary adventures, missionary journeys. And we discovered that even the Apostle Paul faced open and closed doors, right? 
I mean, those open and closed doors were directly related to the will of God for his life and as he was serving Jesus in the world. And if you recall, uh, during that message last week, we gave you four key things that you and I can learn from open and shut or closed doors. And the first thing we said is that God will guide you if you'll just trust him. God will guide you if you trust him, of course, we have to make sure that we're asking the right question in the first place concerning God's will. The reality is that you and I have a tendency, people, human beings have a tendency to be very selfish and self-focused and yet focusing entirely on God and what he is already doing and his blessing is really the way we should go, amen? Amen. How many of you know that what God is doing, he's blessing? And so if God is doing it, we, we ought to want to be a part of it. We, want, we should want to go with the flow of it. We also said that it's important to remember that God often reveals his perfect will in segments. How does this go with the fast food generation that we are? We don't like that very much, do we? I'm, I'm talking about when God reveals his will and it's slow and it's sometimes in bits and pieces. And, and so we say, listen, just get ready uh, to obey God one step at a time. Uh, that's how we walk anyways, is one step in front of the other. Uh, sometimes we like to run before we walk. Uh, sometimes we like to get ahead of God. I know there's nobody here like that that likes to get ahead of God, likes to tell God what they want and uh, what they need. But the best thing, again, is to, to go in God's timing and to do what God is already doing and blessing. Again, God will guide you if you trust him was the first thing that we talked about. And the second thing we talked about is, is don't be disappointed. Say disappointed. Don't be disappointed by closed doors. How many of you have ever been there? You've been disappointed. A door that you wanted to go through shut and uh, maybe shut suddenly and it just got to you. Uh, listen, we have to remember that when God shuts one door, it's usually because he has an open, uh, he's going to open a door to something better for you. Amen? I mean, uh, you need to be, be sure to also ask if it's God that's actually closing the door. Like sometimes if we're not careful, we can actually confuse human obstacles and demonic evil opposition uh, for a shut door that, that really isn't being shut. It's just that we're, we're facing opposition. Anybody ever face opposition? Anybody ever, I mean, when you go to do something for God, it's almost a, an expectation that, that the devil's going to show up or he's going to send one of his minions his way. Uh, sometimes that could be uh, somebody down the road that doesn't serve God, that is sent to discourage you, is sent to put you down, is sent to make you feel like God isn't going to come through. And really, God has opened the door, but all of this resistance and opposition, and, and you're like, God, is it? Is it you? And, and, and listen, actually, that's the good question to ask. Make sure that you are receiving direction from the Lord and really let God confirm his direction to you. How many of you know that if God is opening a door, he will confirm it? He will confirm it, absolutely. Number three, we said to, to be active as you look for God's open door. It's important to be active. 
I don't know about you, I'm getting a little older. There are times I have some knee issues every once in a while, some, uh, some sciatic issues. I know I sound like an old, old person uh, when I say those things, but I have them from time to time. And if I sit for a long time or if I'm going on a road trip and I've been driving from, for eight, 10 hours, sometimes it's a little hard to get moving. Anybody say amen? Some of you are like Pastor Freddie every day from my recliner, every day in my living room. I sometimes sit a little too long and things are a little stiff getting going. That's how it is with God too. The reality is we have to be active. We have to be um, moving. Listen, the worst thing that you and I can do is to camp out in front of a closed door. It's the worst thing you can do. Or, or to do nothing when a door short shuts before you. Remember, it's easier, much easier for God to direct you to an open door if you're already active serving God right where you are. And actually, we talked about that being, I, I kind of labeled it as the hallway of life. Some of you this morning, you are in the hallway of life. You are headed in a direction. Uh, you may have some goals and, the, and some things that you want to accomplish, and, and you're going to need some open doors, and you're going to need God's direction, and, uh, but you're in the hallway right now. The door hasn't opened yet, and, and there are some things, and you can maybe see them in the distance, but you're in the hallway. And I said last week that it's important that in that hallway, you and I are active serving, that we are active moving moving and doing what God is blessing. And this is where we talked about your activity, your heart, and your character development in the hallway of life. Don't forget that waiting on the Lord is not passive. Some people say, you know, well, well, wait on the Lord, and in their mindset, they're thinking you do nothing. That's not what we're talking about. Waiting on the Lord is actually active. There are some things that you and I can be doing. At the very least, like Gail and others have said this morning, you should be praying, amen? You should be praying. You should be desiring God's direction. Uh, there are some uh, areas where you can volunteer, uh, some people that you can bless, someone that you can encourage and lift up, things that you can do while you are waiting on the Lord in the hallway, moving toward the next open door. And finally, number four, we said, don't depend on doors alone to find God's will. Again, God is not playing, playing hide and go seek with you. Amen. He wants you to know his will, and so be pre prepared for the different ways that God speaks. We said he speaks through circumstances. We said God speaks through his spirit. We said that God speaks through his word. In fact, we said that circumstances are good. Say good. Circumstances are good. They're, they're an external guide for us, right? We can see them. Things are happening. God is laying things out for us, and again, those are circumstances, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit is better. Say better. He's an internal guide, right? When you invite uh, God into your life, Jesus Christ into your heart, uh, we know that we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. We, we, we become the habitation of God. And so the leading of the Holy Spirit is better. He's an internal guide for us, but the word of God is best. We know that it is God's ever faithful and eternal guide for us. He is always speaking through his word. Some people say, Pastor, uh, God doesn't speak to me. Then I would say quickly, 
uh, you are not reading your Bible because if you were reading your Bible, you would know that God is speaking every day with every word of life that is found in the scriptures, amen? Uh, there are times when uh, you are just down and out and all of a sudden you begin to read scripture and the holy word of God jumps off of those pages. Uh, to you, it was just a, a book and there were pages you were turning, but to God, he is speaking. He is uh, causing life to be formed in you. He is causing you to be encouraged, uh, to recognize that the season you are in is not eternal, that things change and that he opens and closes doors and maybe you're just in the hallway waiting for the next open door, amen? And so that was it uh, for last week when God shuts one door, uh, he opens another. Today we're gonna look uh, and focus on another phrase and this one I've been, I've been really excited to share this one with you uh, because it's very foundational. It says, God moves in mysterious ways. God moves in mysterious ways. How many of you have ever said that? Right? Something happens, and uh, I'm sure, Jason, the way everything took place in your life, things from time to time, when God just lines things up, and it's like, man, God moves in mysterious ways. And listen, that exact phrase is not found anywhere in the Bible. The concept, yes, the phrase, no. In fact, those words actually come from a hymn uh, that was written in 1774 uh, where the first verse says, God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Granted, this phrase is, is definitely an expression of, of praise after God has done something so miraculous that it can't be explained in human words. We would say in that moment, God moves in mysterious ways. Or it's a phrase, of, of, uh, 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 it's a phrase that we share when we are trying to explain something that is troubling, a circumstance that comes into our lives. And, and sometimes, sadly, God is to blame. How many of you have ever blamed God for something? Oh, it's just the pastor this morning. Okay. All right. Someone may even use this statement, God moves in mysterious ways, and is, as an excuse for not seeking to know God or understand God at all because, you know, he's so mysterious that he can't possibly be known. And yet God sets the record straight. I want you to go to our text this morning. He, God sets the record straight. The Bible says in Isaiah uh, chapter 55, verses 6 through 9, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him while he is what? Near. And let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn. Say turn. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn, one more time, turn. Turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. I'm so glad he forgives generously, aren't you? See, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. That's a reality, isn't it? Uh, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond what you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, uh, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Praise God for that. 
crazy. We get caught up in our minds sometimes. We get caught up in our thoughts. We don't understand the way things are going and happening, how God could possibly be in this, how God could possibly be working and orchestrating things in your world. And, and listen, it's important to know the word of the Lord and that God does move in mysterious ways. But how many of you know that he can be known? He can be. He wants to be known. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to explore three facets about who God really is, how he relates to us. And number one, yes, God is mysterious, but you can definitely know him. Say definitely. God is mysterious, but you can definitely know him. I don't know if anybody has ever watched the movie Rudy. And so Rudy, in, in that movie, uh, uh, there's a, a very small Notre Dame football player who endures some tough times because uh, uh, his dream to play for Notre Dame is not being fulfilled. And so he's got a dream to play football on this team. And no matter what he does, he, it's not happening. And so Rudy goes to see a wise Catholic priest uh, of, of the name uh, Father Kavanaugh. One of the best lines to ever come out of Hollywood, Father Kavanaugh says, Son, in 35 years of religious studies, I have only come up with two incontrovertible facts. There is a God and I am not him. But for this morning, I would add, you can know him personally. There is a God, I am not him, but you can know him personally. Isaiah 55 it teaches us about the majesty and the mystery of God. We know that his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. But the very fact that we as human beings have the ability to talk about God, to even talk about God is an amazing fact. Listen, in his book, Miracles, C.S. Lewis compares our human talk of God to shellfish, shellfish like clams, all right? We'll use them for an example. And if the, the clams were talking to one another uh, about humans, this is, this is how the conversation might go. Listen, if a mystical shellfish catches a glimpse of a human being for the very first time, he might attempt, attempt to share his vision with his fellow clams. And so he begins by telling his fellow clams how unlike human beings they were. Human beings have no shells, after all, like clams, they aren't attached to rocks like clams do sometimes. They do not live surrounded by water. Listen, it's summertime. Some of you are like, you watch this summer. I'm going to be in the lake or in the, the, in, the, in the beach somewhere, so I will be in the water, but not like the clams. And, and we know that those things are, are, are definitely a part of that, that shellfish life. Those three dynamics, shells, rocks, and water, very important to clams. And so the clams would have to be, would, would begin to have, by their conversation, they would begin, and by their observation, they would begin to have a negative image of human beings looking up at us, wondering what is so strange about those people. And Lewis writes in his book, uncorrected by any positive insight, clams build up a picture of man as a sort of amorphous uh, jelly or having no shell, existing nowhere in particular, not on rocks or in the sand, never eating because there's no water that brings them nutrients. And so the shellfish would conclude that man, mankind, is like a famished jellyfish. 
existing in a dimension less, uh, uh, less void. And Lewis says in the same way, our human limitations prevent us from thinking. Listen, our, you and I, our human limitations prevent us from thinking or talking correctly about God. That's why God reveals himself in the Bible. The Bible says that while God is very majestic and mysterious, how many of you know him to be that, right? He is majestic and mysterious. We can still seek to know him and uh, find him because he can be found, amen? Before I came to Jesus, listen, I, I knew church and religion. I grew up in a very religious family. I thought in that time, in that season, I thought if I tried hard enough that I could somehow get to heaven. Uh, there was kind of that scale in my mind that if I did more good than bad, then surely God would let me into his heaven. How wrong I was, right? It's not, it's not, it's not what the word of God says. It's not God's standard. And so that, that it, it impacted my life. It, it definitely caused me uh, to think about things. It, but it wasn't until I asked Christ into my life that everything changed. How many of you can, uh, can say that, to attest to that in your life? When you met Jesus, everything changed. Because it does. Today, Jesus can still be found by those who, who seek to know him. Isaiah 55 also instructs us on when to seek God and how to seek God. It says we are to seek him when? While he may be found. And to call on him when he is near. The implication being that there will be a time. Listen to me this morning. There will be a time when God is not able to be found and when he will not be near. And so listen. God is not playing some cosmic hide-and-go-seek with us. He really wants us to find him. He really wants us to live for him. He wants us to come near and to walk in relationship with him. Listen, right now God can be found, uh, but if you wait until you, after you die to seek God, I want to let you know he won't be found in the way you want to find him. And that's why we got to seek him and get to know him on a personal level right here, right today. Listen, you are not promised tomorrow. I remember when I was told that I was, a, you know, when you're young, you think you can live, you're going to live forever. You've got the rest of your life in your hands. And listen, tonight, uh, th uh, this morning, rather, uh, you can speak, if you could speak to someone in eternity right now uh, who, who did not make the right choice, they would say, like the rich man, uh, uh, you know, send someone my way. D don't, don't disclose, don't, don't run away from God, run to him. Allow Jesus to come into your life. God wants a relationship. Find him while he can be found. Amen. He wants a personal relationship with us. After we die, there are no second chances. We need to know that. Listen, the, the secret of how we can know God is also found in Isaiah 55 and verse 7. Let's go to verse 7 again where it says, Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy. Say mercy. That he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. Pastor Freddie, you don't know my life. You don't know the things I've done. Uh, you don't know where I've been. Listen, you're right. I don't know. But God knows, and he still sent Jesus to die on a cross for you. 
God knows how, how short your life has been. God knows how, how wicked at times your life has been. God knows uh, the different directions and choices and things that you have done in your life. And yet he loves you and wants to save you and turn your life around. Listen, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, is actually uh, said to have preached on that verse over 200 times in his lifetime. Let the wicked change their ways and banish their very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. Listen, the truth is anyone can seek God, but in order to find him, a person must be, say must, a person must be willing to turn from their sins and turn to the Lord. It's, listen, it's by doing that and that alone that you can enter into a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Listen, some people can't seem to find God for the same reason that a crook can't find a policeman. See, because of, of the active sin in their lives, the crook ain't really looking for a cop. He or she is too busy stealing or committing crime. And so, listen, if someone were to ask you this morning or this week, do you know Pastor Freddie? Do you know Pastor Freddie? So, a few could say, sure, I've spent some personal time with him. I've, I've hung out with him. And yet some of you might say something like, yeah, I, I know, I know Pastor Freddie. I listen to him preach every week. Did you know that seeing me and hearing me is not the same as knowing me? See, the only way you can truly get to know someone is by spending time with them, right? Like if you invited me into your home and, and we shared a meal like some steak or some bacon together, chances are I know you. Bacon will make you memorable in my mind. I love steak too, by the way, a good steak. Listen, if, if, if all you've ever done is come and sit and listen at some point here in church, I may not really know you and you probably don't really know me. Again, knowing someone is relational, isn't it? When you say you know someone, it's relational. Same is true with knowing God. And listen, he wants you to know him. And he wants to know you more. He, he wants that active relationship. You, you, got, you may know about God. You may know what the Bible says even. But that's not the same as knowing God. The only way you'll truly get to know him is by spending quality time with him in prayer, in his word, in worship. That's knowing God. Listen, in the summer of 1967, a, a young girl by the name of Joni was riding horses near the Chesapeake Bay. And she decided to go for a swim one day and she dove into shallow water and broke her neck on a submerged rock. Some of you know this testimony. At first, Joni had a, a really hard time reconciling her accident with the idea that there was even a loving God in existence. She was angry, demanding to know why this thing happened to her. And one day her friend told her, Jesus knows how you feel. See, he was paralyzed too. In fact, Jesus couldn't move or change his position on the cross. He was paralyzed by the nails. Over time, Joni began to understand that God truly is a God of love. And even when tragedy strikes in our lives, he is a God of love. He wants to get to know us today. God is still using Joni Erickson Tata to touch lives for Christ. 
She once received a letter from an angry young man who had also been in an accident. He was bitter at God for allowing him to suffer. He had written to Joni asking the big question. What do you think the big question is when something happens to you? What do you think it is? Three-letter word. Why? And after relating some of her own feelings of bitterness that she had gone through and, and questioning that she had gone through, this is what Joni wrote that person. If God decided to explain all his ways to me, what makes me think that I would be able to understand them? It would be like pouring million-gallon truths in my one-ounce brain. Ecclesiastes 11.5 says, As you do not know the path of the wind... Or how the body is formed in a mother's womb. So you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. In fact, the, the whole book of Ecclesiastes is written to convince people like you and me that only God holds the keys to unlocking all of the mysteries of life. And guess what? He's not loaning his keys out. If God's mind was small enough for me to understand, he wouldn't really be God. God is big. God is majestic. God is mysterious. And yet we know that in spite of this, Jesus has chosen to have a personal relationship with us. It's the greatest mystery of all. So yes, number one, God is mysterious, but you can definitely know him. And number two, God is also so great that you'll never fully understand him. But it's so fun to try. It's so fun to try. God is great, so great, you'll never fully understand him. You see, while, while we can know God, he's still so majestic that our finite human minds can never fully comprehend all there is to know about God. Anybody here this morning have questions for God? Oh, come on, there's got to be more than that. You, you've got questions for God. You might wonder, you know, in, in, in all of your questions and trying to know, you might wonder if it's possible to know someone without fully understanding them. And listen, uh, as a husband, I can honestly say that I don't understand everything about my wife. Some of you would say, I don't understand women very well, Pastor Freddie, um, but be careful, keep going with that. I don't understand everything about my wife, and yet I know her, and I love her. Because love is a choice, I choose to love her. In fact, that's what makes marriage crazy and exciting all at the same time. I see it's a never-ending quest to know each other better. And so if you've ever heard someone say about their spouse, I've got her all or him all figured out, I want you to know this morning that they're lying. They're lying. If you've ever heard someone else say, I've got God all figured out, they're probably delusional and definitely mistaken. In Romans chapter 11, 33 through 36, the apostle Paul is so overwhelmed by the glory and the greatness and the majesty of God that he breaks out into these words, beginning at verse 33, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how deep those things are. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? Watch this. This is the verse. For from him, say from. And through him, say through. And for him, say for. Are all things. 
from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Listen, have you ever heard someone say, I just don't understand how a loving God could ever send someone to hell? Anybody ever hear that? Oh, or how could a loving God do this? How could a loving God allow that? Listen, when, when you hear that, you might be tempted uh, to try and defend God by explaining sin and, and free will. But listen, the correct response every time should be, I don't understand how a holy, perfect, and righteous God can ever allow us sinners into heaven. That's really the deeper question. He's perfect. He's holy. He's righteous. Listen, this passage says God's judgments are unsearchable. His paths are beyond tracing out. And that's the truth. God is deep. God is great. God is holy. God is mysterious. God is majestic. And he loves us all at the same time. I love the three prepositions uh, found in Romans eleven thirty six. All things are from him. And so did you know that God is the source of everything? All things are, uh, all things are through him. And so he is the course of life. All things are for him. And he is the force of all life. And remember, you'll never fully comprehend absolutely every single thing about God. He is so great, but it sure is fun to get to know him. Uh, he's so great. Uh, at the same time, listen, don't let that stand in the way of having a personal relationship with him. He wants to, you to pursue him and to really get to know him. I love that about God. I love that about God. Number three, God has shared and revealed his greatest mystery with us. God has shared and revealed his greatest mystery with us. Listen, some people enjoy solving complicated riddles or uncovering a mystery. Some of you are like that. You're like, man, put me, uh, what are those rooms called? I don't even have this written down. Escape rooms. Some people are awesome. They love the adventure. They love to go after things. My family and I went into one of those things, and within the first five seconds, I was like, let me out. Where's, where's the food? Let's get to the food, we, uh, uh, an activity and dinner. I'm ready for the dinner. That, that's just me. But some people, they love unsolved mysteries. They love uh, uncovering them. In fact, there was a show, some of you might know this, uh, uh, it was called Unsolved Mysteries. And, and the website for the show actually claimed that almost 300 real-life cases had been solved by viewers of the show. Many people think God is the same way. They think his ways are so mysterious that they are beyond, uh, un, uh, beyond our understanding. But maybe the phrase God moves in mysterious ways was coined because in the Bible, God often did unexpected things in amazing ways. He does that, doesn't he? God does unexpected things in amazing ways. Uh, for instance, instead of using Moses when he was 40 years old, God waited until Moses was uh, like 80 to lead his people out of slavery. That's moving in a mysterious way. Instead of using Gideon's army, who his army was like 32,000, right? God told Gideon to whittle down his ranks until there were only 300 soldiers remaining to defeat the army. That's mysterious. 
See, God, God seldom acts or moves in the way that we think he should. His ways are what? Higher than our ways. Amen? Uh, or like instead of having the Messiah, the king of the Jews, born in a great palace, he was born to a peasant girl in a barn. Instead of having the Messiah placed on a great throne of gold, God had the Messiah nailed to a wooden cross. Unexpected? God specializes in the unexpected. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. God specializes in the unexpected. He still performs miracles in amazing ways. In the New Testament, the word mystery had nothing to do with a whodunit story. Our English word comes from the Greek word mysterion. It's a word meaning that which is beyond the range of natural understanding, and it can only be made known by God. You see, while much of what God, qualif uh, much of what God does qualifies as mysterious, the Bible teaches us that God has deliberately chosen to reveal his greatest mystery to us. What is that? Let's look at it. The Bible says in Colossians 1, 26 and 27, the mystery that has been kept for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. What is it? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the greatest mystery of all. Today, knowing God through Jesus Christ is the greatest mystery revealed. Yes, God works in mysterious ways because he has chosen to provide and reveal a savior for sinful, broken, and messed up people that were far away from God and needed salvation without Christ in our lives. We are lost, we are hopeless, but Jesus, the mystery of God, was made known to give us life, life, and more life. And man has been given a choice to embrace Jesus or not. It's really the single most important choice of our lives, isn't it? And so the question is, how are you relating to Jesus right now? See, there's a good way, there's a better way, and there's a best way. I mean, do you have a, a sense that Christ is for you this morning? Christ is for you, right? Some of you believe that? Uh, that's good. He is. Do, but do you have a sense that Jesus is with you? Anybody have a sense that Jesus is with you this morning throughout your life? That's even better. But do you understand what it really means for Christ to be in you? That's the best. I brought this up here. I'm not really good with illustrations. I hope I don't flip this across the room or, or burn anyone this morning. And so this, uh, it's, it's like putting a tea bag in a cup of hot water. This cup of water, hot water, represents me. The tea bag represents the life of Jesus. The water in the cup is not the tea, and the tea is not the water. How many of you know that? It's very simple. We're keeping it basic this morning. And see, the, this bag is for the water. But that doesn't really change the fact that it's still just water, hot water. The bag is with the water, but it's still, the water is still the water. Uh, but when the tea bag is placed where? In. The tea bag is placed in the water. The water is in the tea. 
The T is in the water, just as we are in Christ, and Christ is in me. When, say when, I invite him in. The T, listen, the T has just changed the nature of the water. It's changed it. It's not water any longer. Unless you take it out real quick, it's not going to change much, but you got to leave it in a little while. You've got to soak in it. That's a sermon all by itself. We could go in on that. How many of you are in Christ? Uh, it's, it's, it's changing the color of the water. It's changing things. And, but at this point, you would not say, would you like a cup of colored water, right? What would you say? Here's a cup of tea. See, when the tea bag is in the water, it transforms the water into a new and a different entity. And when we understand what it means to be indwelt by Christ, the emphasis and focus is no longer on me or I, but it's on Christ in me. I wanted to do this this morning. Oh, he didn't, he didn't even flinch. He didn't even flinch. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives where? In me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who did what? Who loved me and gave himself for me. Man, what a tremendous resource we have. And yet if we're not careful, you may be like millions of Christians still trying to live the Christian life for Jesus rather than surrendering to allow Jesus to live his life in and through you. For many of us, it's like this. I know Jesus. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I know about God. I know the word. I know church. But he's inviting us all to be in him and to let him be in us. Listen, remember, when you say yes to Jesus, he is indwelling you. His power is available to you. But you have to claim it for yourself and, and use it for his glory. His power is available this morning, isn't it? Some of you, when we were worshiping, you were sensing the power. You knew that you were in the presence of a mighty God. Amen? See, it's like the story of a, a couple on their honeymoon. For their first night, the groom reserved the bridal suite in a very expensive hotel. The reception ran late, and so it was after midnight when they finally arrived in the hotel. Somebody get the lights, please. Entering the bridal suite, they were surprised to find only a sofa, some chairs, and a table. There was no bed in the room. But they discovered that there was a sofa, and it was actually a sleeper sofa. Can you imagine and so they put the sheets on it only to discover it was a lumpy mattress. And they were too tired to protest or, or ask for another room. And so they just endured the disappointment. The next morning as they were unpacking to, or packing to check out, the, the husband, he had a mission. Listen, this, I can relate to this husband. I would have been fuming all night long thinking about the conversation I was going to have for this overpriced room where we had to sleep on this lumpy mattress. Not cool. Again, he goes down to the manager to complain. And after 
listening for several minutes to the groom's complaints, the manager asked him, did you open the little side door in your room? The groom, he was like, what? Side door? What do you? So he went back up to the room and he opened what he thought was a closet door. There was nothing special about that door. It was just a door. Did you know that it was actually the entrance to a beautifully furnished and extravagant bedroom? There was a, a, a basket of fruit laid out for them, chocolates laid out for them. The management had provided the very best for them to please them. They just didn't take advantage of what was available. I wonder how many believers this morning will enter into heaven only to discover that there were multitudes of blessings that God had made available to them, but they just never walked in through the door to claim them for his glory. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Listen, God does move in mysterious ways. Anybody say amen to that? He moves in mysterious ways. But Christ in you is his greatest mystery and he delights to reveal that truth to you. That's why it's so important for us, all of us, to say yes to Jesus, to invite him into your life in every way. This morning, Jesus, he wants to save you. He wants to love you. He wants to guide you. He wants to restore you. If you lack direction in your life, or you don't know where you're headed, you don't know where your life is going this morning, I want you to know if you don't already know that it all begins with Jesus. It all begins with Jesus. Man, I'll never forget the day I said yes to Jesus. I was in a, in a service like this. The word of the Lord was preached and the Holy Spirit was moving. God was just doing great things, but my heart was convicted because I knew that I did not know Jesus. I was not walking with him. I had not opened the door. And so this morning, I just... I want to invite you, if this morning you're standing here and you don't know Jesus for yourself, and, and listen, this is a personal decision. I can't make it for you. But if you don't truly know Jesus, I invite you to say yes to him. I invite you to say, you know what? I, I want to try that, Pastor Freddie. I, I want to experience that for myself. I, I, I'll promise you. We'll promise you this morning. Your life will never be the same. Amen? Your life will never be the same. Close our heads, bow our eyes. Close our eyes, bow our heads. My goodness. That's great. That's recorded for your laughter. But Lord, we thank you for humor. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for being so real. For the conviction of your Holy Spirit, we thank you. We ask God in the name of Jesus that, Lord, you would take this message and Lord, that you would bless it, that you would expand it. You would cause us to, to reach out to you, to ask you to, to touch and to change our lives. Lord, that we would never be the same. That Lord, for some, if they're here this morning and they don't know you as Lord and Savior, that they would begin to inquire of the things of God, that they would begin to say yes to Jesus. Even today, even right here. Listen, if you're listening to me right now and you've never said yes to Jesus, I invite you to do that. Say yes to Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me a new creation. Help me to live life. And listen, if you do that, 
you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. The Word of God will change your life. Living in Christ will change your life. Hallelujah. Walking with His people will change your life. Worshiping Jesus will change your life. Father, touch us. Move by your Spirit. Do a great work, a work that only you can do. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. Let's close in worship this morning.